Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in. It's with great joy that we actually welcome you. Um, we are committed as a church, as a congregation, to keep you motivated, keep you inspired, keep you, keep you in the way of getting transformed by God, giving you good, good, good word of God. And today's not going to be the difference, but I got to tell you, if it wasn't for those worship times that we got, if it wasn't for those moments during the week that we're able to serve together, this would mean nothing. This would mean nothing at all, at all. So it is important that we keep plugged and we keep ourselves together in this time as a congregation. We have seen God doing great things and that we have, we have seen his favor around in the city and the things that we have been doing. So it is great. It's great to see that. It's great to see that. And we are going to go straight into the word of God. But before, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, you have been so good, Lord. If it wasn't for you, we would not be here. Father, all the things that we do, it just means something because you are the center. You are the why. You are for the who we do it, Father. Father, as we come into the word today, Father, thank you for your presence throughout the service already, Lord. Father, we ask that you would would invest in us, Lord, that you would pour into us, Lord, your word, Lord, because we got letter, Lord, but you got word. Father, we got information, but you got revelation. And that's what we need, Father. So we will go from motivation and inspiration to transformation, Lord. And that's what we need. That's what you want for us, Lord. Father, we want it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We surrender it all. Amen, amen, amen. We are in this series. This is the second installment, the second deposit of a series that God has called and we have called Pushed and Pulled. And today we're coming out of the bat, straight forward into it, into the title, A Spark on the Way. And as we were talking last week, we were being, we've been uh, wondering if we are the generation for the job that we have ahead of us. We have, we have studied, we, 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 we have been talking last week, we talked about psychologists and how they seen that their life of people have seasons. And in these seasons, different things fuel their life fuel their success or what they will perceive as success. We talked last week about grit and, and passion. We talked about a deep sense of conviction and how those drive our lives throughout. And we talked about how important they are. How important is every season in life? Whatever I saw in my 30s, I will be able to reap in my 40s. Whatever I saw in my 40s, I'll be able to reap in my 50s. We know that's how life goes. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever I saw in my teens, I'm, I'm, so, I'm reaping now in my, in my 20s for the ones that are still in those numbers. But I know that the grace of God goes even beyond. The grace of God goes into every season. Every season will bring something. It will take something from us. Every, every season will allow us to, to grow in a certain way, but we will have to die in a certain way, especially if we're walking with Christ. As Christ grows in us, we diminish as God, as God is working his grit, not the human grit, as God is working his passions, not our passions, as God is installing in us a deep, a stable conviction and we lose our stubbornness. The Lord does something in us and through us, actually, he does something that permeates into the community, into our family, into our friends. It permeates into everything 
we go, seasons happen to us all. And I want to know if you got some grit. I, we talked about grit and what it meant that it was actually to have a resolve, to have that courage, to have that strength of character. We talked about passion. That we, it, was, it was translated by the dictionary as the ability to suffer or an uncontrollable emotion, a barely controllable emotion. That's passion for you. And we talk about how God reflects the character of God for each one of us. The grit and the passion, but also how convictions, convictions are what holds us together. What, what we hold so dear, a belief, an idea, an opinion that holds us in a specific trajectory. We talk about the life of a prophet, a prophet that will hold the hand of a king that didn't have experience. We talked about God's hand upon his hand. And how the prophet was actually looking, signifying the hand of God upon the kings. And we talk how God's hand is upon our lives. And this is a little bit of the context of what we are going through for the ones that are just joining us in the series. We wanted to give you that. And we want to ask, do you have a deep, stable conviction that God's hand is upon your hand? That everything that he gave you to use for his glory is in his hand because he has his hand upon you. As we go further, we got to talk about the characters that we set. We saw last week the king and the prophet. And we say, hey, we had the mature and the sick, the prophet. He was in this deathbed. He was mature, but he was sick. He was dying. We also have the king that he was young and afraid. He didn't have what he took. He was immature. And he was doubting that what he had was enough. And because his doubt, he needed to be pushed. Pushed and pulled. That's the series. And some of us need to be pushed to be able to do at the moment someone stops pushing us, we will stop. But God wants us to have that grit, that passion, that conviction that drives us, that we don't need to be pushed anymore because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's what the prophet was actually signifying, that the Spirit of God comes and puts His hand so you can continue on. You don't have to be afraid. Although you're young and inexperienced, even if you are immature, God's hand is upon you and He can use you. You're held. I am held. We are held. We are held by God in this season. God is pushing. Things are pushing. God is pulling. Things are pulling. But the Lord is in the midst of us. In everything we live, God is there. In everything we live, God is holding our hand. He's pushing us. He's pulling us. He's doing whatever is necessary. Through situations, through friends, through family, through, through convictions, through everything we have as dear. To be able to move onto the full of the potential that He has planted in each one of us. Are you with me? God holds us. It's His hands upon our hands. Say it to someone there in the chat. It's his hand upon my hand in this season. And today finds us in Acts 9. And as we go into the word of God, we're going to start from chapter 9. And we're going to start from verse 1 to 9. Later on, we'll probably go to others. But we're going to start there. Acts 9, chapter 9, verse 1 to 9 in the NIV version. It says like this. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Are you a disciple? He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any, if he will find any there who belong to the way, we have been called to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Verse 3 reads, reads as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. A light 
flashes around you, that's a supernatural moment. A light just has a point of direction. But when a light flashes around you, that means that God is near. Because that's only supernatural. And he said, as he neared Damascus in his journey, suddenly a light, a light from heaven flashed around him. It was not from earth. It was not the taste. It was not something that happened around that he didn't understand. No, no, it was a light from heaven that flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. The light flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Soul, soul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5 says, Who are you, Lord? Paul asked, Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city. Now get up and go into the city. And you will be told, you will be told what you must do. Not what you like to do, what you can consider about doing, what you must do. Then verse 7 says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Some people are not going to see what you're seeing. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days significant Number three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Thank you, Lord, for your word. That was, as we start unpacking it, we see a little bit of the context. The disciples were living an amazing season with the Lord. We're talking about seasons and what seasons bring and the grit that we need for them and the passion. And we actually can see that the disciples actually needed a lot of passion, but they were living great things with God. They were in the midst of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They were in the midst of the power of God being manifested in every corner. The people were seeing the miracles. It was a miraculous season. They were in a great miraculous season. They were there. The gospel was going international. They were just, we were just reading before this in, in Acts 8, you can see how the gospel brought people from other nations. And, and, they, were so, and they were so in love with the power of God that they took it home. They wanted to make it part of how they live like. They wanted that to be how they live like. How many of us have added a little bit of the gospel, but we have not changed the way that we live. We want information, we want to feel good, but the gospel has not permeated into the, the membrane that really says our character is like. The gospel was going international, miracles was happening, the power of God was in display, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was manifesting all over the place. But that was, that was the pull of God. They were also living the push because we were pushed and pulled even in this season. And that's not strange to history. It was happening to the disciples there, are you a disciple? Because in this season, you might feel there's a pull from God, but there's also a push happening. The disciples were also, although all these things were happening, they were also experiencing great persecution. They were being arrested and killed. They were experiencing many, many atrocious things. They were persecuted. They feared for their life. As they were managing the miracles, as, the, as they were looking at what God was doing, they also saw how they were getting persecuted, how they were being killed. Just before one of the disciples had been stoned, and his clothes had been put in the, in, the, in the feet of someone called Saul. They were being pulled by God into miracles and the supernatural. 
and God was showing up in big ways. But also they were condemned to prison. They were experiencing that pull and that push, that push and that pull. They were from power to prison and they were seeing it all in a daily basis. And I believe our seasons are coming that we're going to see this. This is part of our context. And I want to invite you that in, in, in chapter 9, as, as Saul is going later to be called Paul, he actually is going to experience several things. I want to I want to I want to paint this for us. I want to put myself in the word. I want us to to really kind of dig in into what God was doing here near Damascus. Damascus is a city that's very important. Damascus is a city that actually was mentioned in the last story. One of the capital cities of the whole region of Aram that was actually the city, the confederation of cities that was coming against the Israelites last Sunday was actually Damascus. Damascus was the most prominent capital. And actually, Damascus was not the most prominent, but it was the oldest. It was actually the, the one of prominent trade and prestige. Damascus was a land that everyone that had power and authority would be selecting that, that place, that area to live in. Damascus was a very important place. In Greek, the word Damascus actually means well-watered place, as we can translate it, an oasis city, because it was surrounded by two rivers. So everything that you will plant there will grow and prosper. But if God puts his hand, something will happen. So as we are there, we are, I, can, I can feel that we're nearing Damascus. I don't know if you're with me, but let's just put yourself, put yourself in the situation. You're nearing Damascus. You're going in your horse. You're going towards Damascus and you're still breathing. Like the Bible says here, you're still breathing murderous thoughts. You're still, you're still thinking about killing people. And this is what his job. Saul had this as his job. He had the authority to do so. He had the push from within. His attitude, his character was pushing. And he was getting near. So I probably can hear the rivers already. I probably can hear the two rivers just kind of like watering down. And although it feels a bit dry and dusty because of the desert, I can still start hearing a little bit of that water coming through. And as soon as I'm thinking, I'm arriving, I start planning. I don't know if it happens to you when, when I'm in my car and I'm going with the family or with my wife or, or by myself. I start planning how I'm going to direct myself when I arrive. Anywhere that I go. You, you usually go through the motions and you say, hey, okay, I get there, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that because we wanna, you want the time to be productive. So Paul probably was in that setting, allow me that inference. So Paul is nearing this city that was six days away by foot. It was six days away by foot. Six means human effort in the Bible. It was prominent and it was actually a six day journey. And as he was nearing there, as he was getting there in the back of his story, because he was so scholared, he was actually so understood of the, of the history of the place. He understood this is the city that David won. This is the city that David conquered, that no one could conquer before. But David conquered. Maybe he was thinking, you know what, we read the Psalms, we, we read all these things, we read the, those, those amazing moments that David had with God. And you can see that David was a man under the lead of God. But he also had in the back of his head that Solomon, David's son, just a generation after, lost it because he moved in independence. 
he moved independently from the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Guidance, the prophet, the king. So all of these things are in the way. Damascus has a lot of story, has a lot of history, and we're going to unveil most of it today. So those, those are the context, those are the moments that we are in right now. You hear the river, you're arriving, and all of a sudden, it says, suddenly, a light from heaven. If you go there, in verse 3, it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, it says that suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, not towards him, around him. So it was not that it was a bolt or it was a thunder. No, it was not that it was rainy. All of a sudden there was a great, great rain. No, no, no. It was a light that had character, that could do something that lights normally cannot do. A light that surrounded him, that didn't flash him only. A light from heaven surrounded him, flashed around him. Meanwhile, he was still thinking. Some of us actually think that we need to be all pure and all there for God to use us. But God proves through the life of Saul, later be called Paul, that he can even have us having, breathing out murderous thoughts. And he still has a plan for us. He still will intervene in our lives. He will still make it his choice to intervene in our lives in what we're living. He saw how Paul was pushing and God loves a pusher. God loves a pusher. Someone that understood and had so much, so much seal for the, for the law of God that he was able and available to push. He had one favor with the Pharisee. He had one favor with the priest, a priest that was static. But Paul was in movement. And there's something about movement that calls the attention of God. There's something about moving. You don't have to be perfect, but if you start moving, there's something of the presence of the character of God that gets attracted to each one of us. Are you with me? When you're being pushed, even if it's murderous thoughts, even if it's your sin, even if it's any kind of addiction or lack, even any kind of rejection, any kind of need, financially, emotionally, spiritually, it doesn't matter if you think you're too old. It doesn't matter if you think you're too young. If you've been pushed and you're in the move, something about this moves the hand of God. Something about this calls the presence of God. Because I got to tell you, whatever is pushing you, is part, it's a representation of something that He wants to purify in you, but He placed in your life. It's part of your character. He put that in soul. He puts that in you. He puts it in me. And He loved that He was not static like the institution that the high priest would represent. The high priest could have gone to Damascus to look, but Paul had initiative. God blesses your initiative. Whatever you do, I will bless, says the Bible. So God is seeing that he's still breathing murderous thoughts, but he has initiative and he's on the move and he's going to meet him. He's going to meet him because he has a plan. Because we can see that Paul, Saul, has a plan. God had a plan for him. And we're going to see it a bit later on. But why? Why you persecute me? Jesus comes from, from the context that I know you. When you know someone, you know, you call him by name. He said, so, so. We know that in the Bible that means covenant. It's a sign of covenant. Jesus came straight out of the bat, although the other person was persecuting him, to make a covenant with him. He got near to make a covenant with him. God is near today, making a covenant with us. So, so. Why you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? I know you. I know you. How do I know you? I know you because I called you by name. But Paul didn't know him. Lord, who are you, Lord? He asked. 
Next verse, Jesus says, so, so, and the other one says, who are you? He understood the authority that had taken him down of the horse. He understood that there was a lot more power. There was, there was something beyond his strength that he couldn't understand, but there was a position of authority in front of him. And his, his push, his mentality, his character knew how to recognize that. He was a man that wanted the letters because he would recognize the authority. So he was a man, you kind of actually versed in moving in positions of authority. So he knew this one must be bigger. Lord, who are you? He asked, so, so, I have a covenant. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? So asked. In this season, maybe we find ourselves in different areas. We have seen God do things. We have seen the miracles. We have seen the provision. Maybe we have been encouraged in some areas, but we all have areas that are on the way to Damascus. We all have areas that are dry, that even if we can hear the rivers, even if we can, we can feel the air, even if we have the authority given by our feelings, by our family, by our friends, by the situation, by the financial structures that we are in, we're still in Damascus. We're still in that place that should be prosperous, should be an oasis, but we're still dry. We're still breathing out in thoughts that don't bring life, in thoughts that don't grow us, that don't produce a better life of family, a better structure of friends, a better, a better financial decision-making structure in our lives. Are you with me? All of us have an area that is still on the way to Damascus. We have an area that's still pushing us. But if we see the overall plan, if we zoom out and we see the bigger picture, God is using the push inside of Paul to be able to pull him into what he wanted for him. He wanted to have a covenant with him. Are you with me? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It continues then. And verse 6 says, now get up. Jesus starts getting into motion. He says, I have a covenant but my covenant is I'm your, I'm your Lord and you do and you go wherever I tell you. Wherever I send you, you will go. And whatever I tell you to do, you will do. That's actually the meaning of Lord. We call Lord Jesus many, many times, but, but we don't know maybe the meaning of His Lordship. As we have areas that are in, in that way to Damascus, as we have areas that can hear the springs that are in others' lives, God is saying, if you follow me as your Lord, I will be able to show you. I will be able to enlighten you. I will be able to really mesmerize you with what, how I see you. But first, you got to follow me. Some areas of us are persecuting the dreams of God, even in our own lives. They're all, all of us, inside of us, we have a little Saul, we have a little Paul. Saul was before he met with Jesus. Paul is after he met with Jesus. All of us in different areas of our lives, are struggling. We're in between the push and the pull of a little saw and a little paw inside of each area. And we are deciding as we are nearing that, either we're going to see it as our Lord, are we going to bow, bow our knee and obey in every area of our life, or are we just going to continue on our way to Damascus being blind? It says that when Jesus did this to him, the men traveling around him, heard it and they stood speechless they could not speak they have heard what had been said but they had seen nothing there's moments in your life that you know that God is pulling you that something you was pushing but God used it to pull and you don't understand and maybe you don't know how even explain it to your friends and to your family maybe to your boss 
Maybe to your wife, maybe to your kids. You don't know, maybe to your parents. You don't know how to explain it. But there's something in you that God is pulling. And people around you will be able to see, to hear it, but not see it. They will be speechless. They won't be able to control. They hear the river that you hear. They will hear the situation. They will see the situations. They will see the predicaments and the problems that you're facing. They will see those. But they won't be able to see what you've seen. They, will be, they won't be able to experience the light that you have seen. And they will stand speechless. They will stand without knowing how to react. But don't worry about it. Don't ask everyone to come in the journey with you. If they cannot, Hear it. The revelation was for you. The calling was for you. They might be there. They might hold you by the hand. They might help you get from point A to point B. They might help you to get there, to the place of the instruction. But those are men that are not going to continue with you. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. He could see nothing. So they led him to Damascus by the hand. And for three days, three days, he was blind. It's funny how he saw a light that left him blind. But the Bible later on uses Saul and changes his name to Paul to say, hey, let the eyes of your heart be enlightened. The same situation that caused him naturally to be blind is what's causing him to be spiritually awoken and enlightened. The same situations that today we dread, the same situations that for us today are difficult and are problematic, the same situations that have aimed at us to lose everything we got, family, friends, relationships, finances, health, everything, are those the same situations that are going to lead us to see God lit up. It's going to enlighten, God is going to use him to enlighten our hearts. Although he was blind, he followed. Some of us, we need to know where we led. We need to know where God is going. If not, we don't follow. But God is asking us to observe Him really and for once as His Lord. In every area that is on the way to Damascus, observe Jesus as your Lord. Observe God as your Lord. Stop persecuting the dream of God in you in such and such area. Because God is coming and you might feel blind for a minute. You might feel blind for a season. You might feel blind right now. You might not see where God is going with this. You might not see where those relationships are going to end like. Although you are blind, keep following. Keep following. That's the context. Jesus knew all things. And Paul didn't know him. Jesus could call him by name. And Paul wondered who was his new Lord. Jesus actually asked him, why you persecute me? And Paul started to get in detox out of his murderous thoughts. He started like challenging his thought line, his process of thought. Jesus, when he comes into our vicinity, our area, his presence, his light will challenge our blindness. His presence will challenge the way that we think, the way that we perceive, because that's what Jesus does. It was a desert, it was dusty, but the sound of water is coming near. The oasis, the city of oasis, an oasis city is near. And I believe that Jesus was that water. Damascus was part of the, of the region of Aram. And we know that Aram came from Shem. And Shem actually was, was someone that was in the lineage of Jesus. So that city depicted part of the character. 
And that's why probably the disciples had been persecuted all the way there. Because God has a way. God has a way to lead you into a place that he can work with you. God could have done this to Paul in Jerusalem, but he decided to take him to a well. He wanted to enrich him. He wanted to refresh him. He wanted to bring him anew afresh. He wanted to be near the river. God wanted him to understand that he is the Lord. And when God takes you to the side, believe me, God is just getting you nearer to him. He's not pushing you away. He's just getting you nearer to him to understand that in every area he wants to be your Lord. Let's go. Let's go deeper. Ananias actually meets meets Paul there as we see and and we're going to read here in verse 10 in chapter 9 verse 10 and we, and we read like this in the NIV version it says in Damascus verse 10 there was a disciple named Ananias the Lord called to him in a vision Ananias but he responded he said yes Lord he answered the Lord told him go to the house of Judas on straight street not crooked street straight street <laughs> And ask for a man from Tarsus, from the area of Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Yes, Lord, what do I do? Go to this house on Straight Street and ask for the man because he's praying. God knows when you pray. We have lost the custom, the understanding, the wherewithal to know that God knows when we pray. He hears our voice. He gave us even the tone of voice that we have that is particular, is unique. God knows, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, basically saying, he saw you. And he saw that man named Ananias and come to the play and play his hands on him to restore his sight. He's basically saying, you're not only going to go and meet this guy, this guy that has a reputation, but you're going to touch him. God is going to bring people that even though even though they see that there's a Damascus and there's a line of thought and a pattern of life that maybe has hindered you and has wounded you and even can wound them, they will obey. When God sees that you pray and you humble yourself and you ask for direction and you seek the Lord, even in the midst of your vulnerability, God will send someone to place his hands. As the prophet placed his hands on the king, God is always looking for a person to place his hands to represent his own hands over our lives. Place his hand on him to restore his sight. And verse 13 says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard, <laughs> I have heard many reports, you know. I mean, I, I know about this guy. Lord, are you sure? Have you ever asked God if he's sure when he has said to you, he has, he has prompted you to do something, to give an offering, to do something for someone? And he said, I have heard many reports about this man. And all the harm, all the harm that he has done, he had a reputation and people that were supposed to be forgiving still had knowledge of what had happened. And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias actually means God has given or the cloud of God. The cloud of God. What God gave Saul, Paul later, was actually someone that represented the cloud of God. God is putting a shade over us. Like he put it over the people of Israel when they were coming in the Exodus in the desert, coming from, from Egypt. He put it a cloud that will cover them. His glory, the glory of God, the God has given person 
comes in and says, and God says to this person, go, this man is my chosen. God chooses you. I have chosen him to proclaim the name, my name, the name above all names, to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And verse 16 is beautiful. It says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. In the original, it says actually, I will show him the passion that he must have for my name. Paul later on started saying he was a, a slave of Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's the man that wrote so many letters, that actually planted the churches so many places that till today has become a symbol of a person that God forgave and used with so much grace. Someone that actually really, really kind of entangled his heart, his life, every strength, every fiber in his body to the grace of Christ, to the cross, the grace, and the salvation, and the blood that has paid for all of us, this man. Then Ananias went, verse 17, went to the house and entered it. I love this story because it's just God entangling us with details, how we have people around us. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother, that's a moment that you say, Hey, I know who you are, but in Christ we have one Father. Brother, Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, I got inside. I'm in love with that man. I follow that man. That's my Lord. Yes, Lord, what do I do? He has sent me here that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In every season that we have been blind, every season that we have had difficulty seeing God is followed. Is followed by the hand of God coming and filling us with understanding of His Spirit, of understanding of His character. And Ananias is actually representing this. And in verse 18, it says, Immediately, something like scales, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. So he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained strength. As we start closing, I see that God is bringing Paul in full circle. Paul, Paul came in through the story as a murderous man, a man that had fake authority, static, institutional authority, but that did not represent the author. He came into the story like that, being a man that was away, a man that had many deserts, a man that had, had things in his life like you and me that maybe God needs to resolve, but he had a push inside that drew near the hand of God. He still was living the vocation of pushing, but he was pushing his flesh. We are a church that now need more than ever to stop pushing in our flesh and we need to start being pulled in the spirit. Now we got to start trusting that God is surrounding us with people that will put their hands on us and will cause those areas that are blind, those areas that are in the desert of Damascus, those areas that are still pushing and pulling inside of us, those areas, they will cause those areas to become strength, to become salvation for many. Those are the areas that God wants to touch. God is coming in this season of pushing and pulling 
of us understanding if we are the generation for the job, trying to let us know that we are. And the context is glory. The context is Him covering us with His cloud. The context of it is actually God putting what we couldn't put. The context is that He meets us when we were trying to persecute Him. The context is, is that when we didn't see, He saw for us. He opened not even only our eyes that are physical, but the eyes of our understanding. The context is that in this season of being pushed and pulled, we will find a spark on the way. A spark will find us on the way. God will, if you will, He will put your hands, He will put His hands on your hands for the season that is coming. Full cycle. Paul was pushing for death. Paul was pushing for death, but God was pulling for life. He was pulling for glory. God knew what He had put in Paul, in Saul. God knew what He had put in his life. And God was not willing to see his disciples being shorthanded because they could not trust what God was doing in the life of others. God is going to do in this season amazing things among us. We have to have the wherewithal to walk with the ones that are starting to walk with Jesus as well. Not to forget the grace on the way. Not to forget the spark that met us on the way. Not to forget those seasons that we were blind and we needed to depend, but someone came and put their hands in our life. As we are closing, God is asking us to stretch our arms. Some of us are, are in the situation of having to put our hands on people that don't see. Some of us are in situations that we have been pulled out and pushed away from our horses, and we feel weak and vulnerable in this season. But don't worry, God is bringing someone around you. God is bringing someone that is listening to His voice, that will call you brother, that will call you sister, that will actually will let you know that He is forming part of your life from that day onwards. A person that will go even though you might have a reputation. A person that will love you even though you might be known for the such and such thing that you used to do. Because that's how God is. God doesn't stop as our reputation says. He goes beyond our reputation to give us even a new reputation. God is the one that is in the business of restoring and healing. God is in the business of pushing and pulling in this season. So if you have been feeling like this, if you have seen areas that were in a bit of a desert, that you could see, you can hear the, the, the spring running in someone else's life, but you were a bit dry, you were a bit lost, a bit murderous in your thoughts. Maybe your thought line was a bit crooked. Don't worry, God is bringing retribution. He's bringing restoration in this season. God is seeing your push and He's about to pull. He's about to pull from where you're pushing. He's about to pull the real vocation He had put in you, the real calling that He put in you to serve the many. God has pulled us to serve. We were pushing for our own, but God pulls us. He restores us. He surrounds us. He covers us. He's here for us. He brings us full circle. When enemy thought, the enemy of our life, when Satan thought he had you, he didn't understand that he, in his pushing, was getting you closer to your Lord. And God is about to do something great in your life. If you have lost your hope and you have been a believer, you have been walking with God, and you, are, you don't know if you are a disciple, this should be able to straighten you up. 
Jesus is for you. Jesus is not against you. He will lead you. Not able, not only to, to do something in your life, but also leads you to push and pull in the life of others. God is doing something amazing. If you don't know Christ, and through this you say, I need to find that spark. I lost my spark. In this season, I feel that I am in darkness. I feel lost. And you say, Jesus, I need that this, this that this man is saying in this video. Jesus is for you. Jesus comes near. And Jesus is about to unleash in your life the full potential. He's about to pull in your life the full potential of what He created you for. If you have not taken a decision, you can pray with me like this and say, Jesus, I am like this man. I have things that are wrong in my life. I've done things that are wrong, but I repent. I give you my sin, Lord, so you can restore me, so you can cause in me a new beginning. And Father, I want to I wanna declare that you are, you are my Lord now. Not the things I used to do, not the, the thoughts I used to have, not the, the, the ways I used to move, but Father, you are my Lord now, and I will follow you. I declare you like my only Lord and my only Savior. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Have your way in my life. Amen. If you did that, if you pray that prayer, Jesus Christ is not only in your heart, but he's about to start doing a whole renovation of your life, of your heart, of your emotions, a whole restoration project. And you will have people around you. If you're here in London, we would love to be part of that process. We would love to walk with you. We all have areas that are getting restored. That's the grace of God. That we walk together, brother, sister. If you're here in London, we would love to chat with you. We would love to answer questions. We would love to pray with you. We would love to cry with the things that make you cry. We want to laugh with the things that make you laugh. Because that's what family does. That's what family is. We are near. We are near. In this season, this is what God is doing. He's extending His family. He's extending the table. He's putting more chairs. And He's cooking something bigger. Something big is coming for your life. An encouragement for the ones that have known Christ already. God is looking for those areas that are still on the way to Damascus. And they're not really aligned with the time of pulling the type of pulling that he had in you. Maybe you have been pushing areas in your life and you have not given them. But Jesus is saying, in this season, I'm going to have it all. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit again and again and again with more compassion, with more grace, with more of his character because that's how I see you. I don't see your reputation. I don't see the areas that you fail me. I see that in me, you're wonderfully made. So I encourage you and I pray that you find him this week. Eat it up, have it all, study this word, go back to Acts, Acts 9. You can read all the way to 19th, it's amazing to see how God can transform each one of us. Even when we think we're right, even when we think we have the letters of authority, even if we think we're in the right place doing the right thing, God still has more depth for each one of us. Have a great week. Remember, now we have Hope Kids at 4.30. You cannot miss that. I cannot stress it more. You cannot miss it. And also, we have the Anchor of the Week on Tuesday. And it has been amazing. 
it has been amazing. Also, we have the evangelisms and times of reaching out to the community when we're giving food and clothing to the people of the city. It doesn't have to be someone that is homeless. If you're in need, God has something for you. And we are blessed to be those hands that are near. And it's our privilege to even, if you want to volunteer, we're having people of all sorts that are volunteering. You don't even have to be believer of Jesus to come and volunteer with us. You know what? Because God is doing something new. Let God set how this finishes. But you come and you start. And let God just say how deep it goes. Yeah? May God bless you. Have a great day, a great afternoon, a great evening, wherever this catches you. And until the next time, God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanger.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.